Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. Here today. Amen. Uh, thank you, everyone, for the very warm welcome uh, here this morning, and thank you uh, to uh, Brother Hernandez and for Brother Brom for kind of coordinating and, and getting us down here, and, and for the invitation. I want to give honor to you. Also give honor to uh, your pastor and First Lady, Brother and Sister Cox, uh, as wonderful examples in this district, Some uh, someone that I really look up to and lean on pretty heavily when it comes to a number of things. You may not know that or not, but now you know, and so the cat's out of the bag. But um, I, I really appreciate your pastor, his spirit. I One of the things I really appreciate about Brother Cox is that of the many things, is is that he is consistent, and 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 in that consistency there is uh, there's goodness in that as well. While everything is changing and the climate of our world is changing and shifting, it's so blessed to have a man of God and a pastor that will say we're not going to waver, we're not we're not going to we're not going to capitulate to this world. We're going to stand fast, so I give honor to him here this, this day to greet all of our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Amen. Amen. I want to, if we can, we want to just kind of dive right in. Um, normally, there are two services on Sunday, and since uh, this is the only service today, I figure I could just preach two messages here today, so... No, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. I'm, like Some of you are like, that's, is he serious? No, I'm not. Maybe. No. So if you would grab your Bibles and turn in your Bibles to the book of Ezekiel, chapter number 37. I'm going to be reading a little bit from Ezekiel today and um, maybe some other parts of this book. This is a, probably a, one of the more well-known passages from this book. Uh, but Ezekiel, chapter 37, in verse number 1, is where we're going to be starting here today. Um, I'm the sort of a, an individual where I like to have context to things. So after we have some reading here today, I'm going to back up a little bit and give a little bit of a context, and then um, then we'll start preaching. So that doesn't count as the context doesn't count as the time. Uh, so you can't say I preached for two hours. You're like, no, okay. Anyway, well, we'll see how you feel after. Okay. Anyway. Um, Ezekiel, my wife is like, yeah, he's not kidding. Stop, honey. <laughs> Amen. Thank you so much for, for having church, by the way. Thank you for not just having church, but being church. Um, there are obviously from the drive from um, Blaine to here, you drive by so many places and so many places are closed. Doors are still shut. Thank you for having the doors open and for being and for yourselves being open to this. This is one thing we can't lose. We can't afford to lose gathering together. Amen. Thank you for the ministry for the Sunday school and all the children that are involved. I know there are a number of people that are back there that can't hear me, but I want to give honor and thank this church for, for ministry here and for our Sunday school and for our children. Amen. There, that's a genera- there are generations that are being ministered to right now that, that we're saying, sorry, world, you don't get your shot. You don't get your chance with them. Their names are spoken for. They've been claimed. Amen. Amen. Ezekiel 37, beginning in verse number one, is where we're going to read here for a little bit here this morning. And it says this, The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord 
and set me down in the midst of a valley which was full of dry bones. Does anybody feel like that is the year 2020? It's like the valley of dry bones. Well, come on now. That's a good place to start. Come on, we're Pentecostal. We know how, you might know how this story ends. Come on, somebody. You might know how this story ends. Amen. It caused me to pass by them roundabout, so it took me all around to get a full view of what was going on there. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, there was, uh, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? That is a question for the church today. Can, can these bones live? Can what we see that has decayed or what we sense as loss, can that actually come back to life again? And not just be a picture of what it was, but can be greater than what it ever was. I believe it. And he said, but here's his answer. Oh, Lord God, you know. (laughs) You know the answer to that. (laughs) Sometimes we don't want to take a step out there. We don't want to. You know the answer. I'll let you kind of decide that. Okay. Again, he said to me, prophesy unto these bones and say unto them, O you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will lay sinews upon you and will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. And you will know that I am the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. I think that is, that's, that's one of the big messages in our world today that the world will know who God is. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then he said unto me, prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. Amen. For a little bit here this morning, I'm going to be preaching on this notion or this topic um, that I've simply entitled, A River in the Valley. A River in the Valley. In In that dry, dead valley there's a river that's flowing to it. In the dry, dead places, there is a river that's flowing. And it's flowing to those dry, dead places. And I'm just going to preach like I'm preaching to an apostolic church here this morning. I, I, I come from a church up in the Twin Cities area, which is kind of hard for me to admit. I grew up in farm country in Iowa and lived up in the sticks in, in northern Minnesota. But now I'm in, a, in this church in, in the Twin Cities in, in Minneapolis area, and we just preach it like we, we just preach it like we believe it. We just preach it like, like, like we believe that this word is real and it's true. So I'm just going to preach that way here this morning. And, and if you want to respond like the pastor, pastor has kind of encouraged us to do here today, let's respond together. Amen. Let's, let's be in this together. I believe God's going to do something great in here in this place if we're together, if we're together in this. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Ezekiel. Uh, this is one of the more well-known passages from the book of Ezekiel, and obviously we, we get an idea and a notion of how this story kind of ends and comes together. You can start 
you can start putting some pieces together about what that means and what that looks like within the context of our world today. You can start kind of putting some things together. Young people, you can start to think about some of the things that, were, that are dry or dead and that seem impossible. I don't know your life. I don't know where you, where you come from. I don't know your story. But there are some things in your story, young people, that you could look at and you say, well, these things seem impossible. And, if, and you're not alone. Because there's a whole bunch of people over on this side of the church, and like back there, they're saying there are some things that seem impossible in our lives. Anybody else? Is that maybe just this me, just me right here? There are some things that you're like, there's some things that seem impossible. There's some things, they, they, it, it doesn't seem like it, it's ever going to happen. Anybody else? I mean, come on, somebody. You, you see, like, and, and you've had those testimonies of things that were impossible and that couldn't happen, and then God showed up, and he took what was impossible, and he made it a reality. He didn't just say, well, I think we can make it work. He said, I'm, I'm stepping in, and I'm making it work. One of the most powerful things about living for the Lord is this, is, and that we'll find as we, continue, as we continue to live for him, is that nothing ever really works out the way you think it's going to work out, though, right? Like, God gives you a promise, and you're like, okay, God, th- thank you for the promise, and this is how it's going to work out, I'm pretty sure. And God's like, my thoughts are way above your thoughts, and my ways are way above your ways. As high as the heavens are, Isaiah says, above the earth are my thoughts and my ways above yours. And so we say, well, God, I think it's going to work out like this. Let me just encourage somebody. You may have an impossible situation that you don't see a, a point from point A to point B. You don't see how it's ever going to come about. But if God gave you a promise, and if he's got his promises here in his word, we just got done singing it. You made a way when there's no way, and I believe you're going to do it again. Let me speak to some things that you think might be dead. You might have some parents that are living for God. You might have some brothers and sisters that are living for God. You might see some things that are dead, and there's no way they can come back to life, but introduce God into the equation, and he says, I've got a plan just for that. I've got a river that can flow into the valley and bring life to the things that are dead. We've got to believe that. Do you believe that here today? Come on, you don't have to have the answer of how it's going to happen. You just have to believe in your heart. And you can, you can even struggle. Listen, I, I'm sorry, you can correct me after. I, or you can correct me now, actually. You don't have to wait. You can struggle with a little bit of doubt a little bit. If we're honest about it, we all have a little bit of doubt every once in a while. There was a man whose son was sick, and he was praying, and the Lord says, if you believe, I can make him well. He says, I believe, help thou my unbelief. It's like, I got some areas where I'm not so sure about, but I at least got a little bit that I believe. Help me right here. And he says, I'll help you right here. I'll help you by showing up and doing what only God can do. So this, this book of Ezekiel is, is one of the more perplexing and complex books, at least, that I've experienced and I've read within, within Scripture. It's a very layered book in the Bible, and it has themes that really touch on every aspect. They touch on Israel's past, they touch on Israel's present, and it touches on Israel's future and what's coming down the road. We sing and we talk about and quote from Scripture how he is the God who was and is and is to come that he is the God of your past, 
He is the God right here with you present. And I promise you, he's the God of the things to come. And what he has for you, we, we could find a, a prophet. You just turn a few pages over, Jeremiah, where it says, the plans that I have for you are plans of peace to prosper you. He's got an expected end. He has somewhere where he wants you to be. He's not just leaving you in a valley or leaving you in places of indecision. He's saying, I've got a plan for you and a purpose for you, and I'm putting you on a journey to get there. So this book of Ezekiel speaks to every aspect of Israel's life, and it reflects to us here today. It begins with Ezekiel and a number of other Israelites. This is the context portion. A number of other Israelites in Ezekiel have been taken out of Jerusalem into Babylon. And that may not mean much to us here today. That might not, you say, okay, well, those are just words. What does that really mean? But what it looks like is that a foreign war machine, that Babylonians didn't mess around. Like, they didn't play around. They, didn't, they weren't just, just kind of like playing games. And I want to just take a little bit of a time out right now and just talk about that for just one second, that our world is not playing around. Like the enemy is not playing around. He's not playing games. He's playing for keeps. And young people, hear this from my heart here today, and saints of God, hear this from my heart here today, all of us together, that this is not the hour to kind of dip our toe in other things and try to see how this whole thing is going to play out. I think this is the hour where we need to be all in, sold out, 100%. I don't got time for nothing else. I'm dedicated to the kingdom of God and to his name. That's why I, because the enemy's not playing around. He's not playing games. He's playing for keeps. There's things where the enemy is going to try to make deals with you and say, and say, well, just give in a little bit here or give in a little bit there and give up a little bit of this or a little bit of that. Kind of compromise on these sorts of things. This is not the hour for the church to compromise. This is the hour for the church to stand strong. Young people, this is your hour to be, God is setting you apart and aside and that people in your generation are looking for something that's real that they can grab onto, that they can say, I want something that's going to mean something and you have a witness everywhere that you go that you pour out into this world that you're saying I found the truth I found what's real and I'm not compromising I'm not settling I don't care what anybody else has to offer because they're hungry for it they're starving for it so this war machine marches into Israel and and to Jerusalem and and takes this nation and these people into captivity, those that they didn't utterly just wipe out and kill. Now imagine that, a war machine. We, we kind of get a little upset, a little fussed about masks. Um, no, I'm talking, okay, anyway, is that a hot topic still? <laughs> too soon? <laughs> no, it's like, it's not too soon. We get a little riled up about masks a little bit every once in a while, don't we? Well, I'm not going to, this isn't my pulpit, so I'm not going to stand on that. But anyway, um, we, yeah, we, we do get a little, and, and we've got people from different spectrums, and that's fine. There's room for different spe- differences on the spectrum and everything like that. That's totally fine. But this is so much deeper than just wearing a mask. This is somebody that's coming into your city, destroying your home. Like imagine the home that you just came out of today, they've destroyed it, they completely wiped it out. Then they put you in chains and they took you away from your home, from your parents, from your family from your church, and he marched you away. And now that's where you are, and you've been a refugee there for five years. That's where we pick up the beginning of the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel's been a refugee for five years. His home's destroyed. No hope. 
Ezekiel 1 and 1 says, Now it came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river of Shabar, that the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. Further research into this with biblical scholars and Jewish uh, tradition places the notion of the 30th year was actually referencing Ezekiel's 30th year. And it's a day that's outlined very specifically in Scripture around July 30th for us, roughly, is that it was possibly even Ezekiel's 30th birthday. And the significance of that, I, I remember when I turned 30, and I thought, wow, I'm getting old. And then, like, I started to think about it, and I'm like, I don't want to claim that. And so now, when there are some saints in the church in their 50s and their 60s and their 70s, I just refer to them as young people now, because it's just like, I just want to be, I just want to put that out there. We're just, I love all of our young people. This is a youth, youth revival. I'm talking to all of our gray-haired young people, or no-haired young people, whoever it is, I'm talking, yeah, <laughs> amen. Uh, some people receive that. Okay, good. But the significance of Ezekiel's 30th birthday was that he was also a Levite. And what that means is that he would have been starting his role as a priest in the temple on his birthday at 30 years old. He would have begun a lifelong priesthood surrounding the, surrounded by the glory and the presence of God. But instead, he found himself on the shore of a drainage canal in a refugee camp in a strange land among strange people. It's kind of like how 2020 started, eh? Like, I had all these plans, had all this vision. Like, pastors, we thought we were so clever. 2020, the year of vision. And nobody saw this coming. It's like, get your vision checked. Anyway. So it says, and that's kind of how the year started. And, and so much promise. So, much, so many options and availability and everything seemed like it was on an uptick. And things were going real well. And all of a sudden, the climate within just a matter of days and weeks, the climate changed. And you find yourself not on this place, on this trajectory where you're saying, oh, everything's going to be going great and we're just going to launch into something great. And, and students, you're here, you're going to school, whether it's hybrid or you're staying at home and you're trying to, you know, you're trying to watch online or, and learn online and, and, and kind of all these, you don't get to go see friends or you don't get to, I don't know if that's important to you or not, but, but it, it's one of these things where it's like it, everything started with so much promise and yet here I find myself in this place sometimes of despair. And in all of the places, in all of the world, where Ezekiel was, that's where Ezekiel meets God. In his loneliness, in his despair, in his hopelessness, in confusion or doubt or anger or fear, in all those unfamiliar places, that's where God shows up. Is that such a hard thing for us to grasp today? Because isn't that the God that we know? That in those unfamiliar places, that's where God shows up. In those places where you're not used to, oh sure, we're accustomed to coming here and for God to show up here. 
We're used to that. We're used to, we're, you, we're used to God, as it were, if this was like the temple. We're, we're used to God showing up in the temple. Young people, you're used to God showing up at church or in youth group and things like that. But something has shifted in our climate, in our culture, where he's saying, I'm not just going to meet you at a place, but I'm sending, actually sending you out. And in those lonely, dark places where nobody thinks God's going to be, that's exactly where I'm going to show show up. I'm going to show up on the loneliness. I'm going to show up in the despair. I'm going to show up in the dark places, in the hard times. That's where God is going to meet you. In the Old Testament, that's not how God was. The Jews knew God to be, uh, to be in the temple. He was always in the temple. But Ezekiel met God in the last place he thought he'd find them. And that's just a shadow of things to come as we read this Bible. Because it was in a manger in Bethlehem that shepherds found Jesus. And preceding that, it was in a virgin's womb that the Messiah had arrived. It was at Nazareth, that low, good, no-down, disgrace of a town that Philip and Nathaniel found Jesus. It was in Pharisees' homes that we find Jesus. It was at the table of sinners and publicans we found Jesus. It was at a tax collector Zacchaeus' house that we find Jesus. It was in the tombs of a Gentile city surrounded by demonic possession and unclean animals that you find Jesus. It was in the bottom of a boat asleep while everybody else is striving to stay alive that you find Jesus. It was in the middle of a lake walking on water that you find Jesus. It was riding on a donkey into a city where people hailed him that we find Jesus. It was in court being accused that you find Jesus. And it's on a cross dying for our sins that you find Jesus. He's not saying I don't want to, he's saying I don't want to just be found where you think I'm just going to be found every day, but I'm going out to the hurting places and that's where you will find Jesus. All of those places where you don't expect to find God, yet there he is. And this is because it's not just us searching him out, but he said, I came down from my glory to find you, to search for you, to look for you. Child of God, hear me today. Young people, elders, and everybody alike in between, hear me today that this God that we serve is interested in finding and seeking and saving the lost. And because all of that preach is good, when you stand up here, and because all that sounds good, when you look at it in the book, the reality is that God didn't stop working like that just because the book ended. Hebrews 12 and 2 tells us that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. That he is still writing. Come on, you talk about those impossible things. He's still writing the story. He's not done writing your story yet. He's not, whatever your situation is that you think is impossible, that can't be overcome, he says, I'm not done writing that yet. He's still the author, and he's still the finisher. And when you think that it can't be done, or that there's no hope for it, he's saying, I'm just getting started. <laughs> so as in Ezekiel's 30th year, at 30 years of age, let's say that God speaks to him and begins to give him visions. And he instructs him to talk to Israel, not the people in the foreign land that they're in, but he says, talk to Israel that you're exiled with. 
But what's more is this, is he says to him in, in Ezekiel 3 and 7, he says, go talk to Israel, but the house of Israel won't listen to you because they won't listen to me. Now that doesn't sound really encouraging, does it? Go talk to some people that aren't going to listen to you. I almost made a joke about being married, but I'm not going to make that joke because it's not funny. It's a long car ride back to the cities. So I'm not going to say it. Honey, I didn't say it. Aren't you proud of me? But try talking to people that aren't going to listen to you. Anybody ever done that? You try and maybe, whatever, whatever it is, you try and share this gospel. People don't want, if someone don't want to hear it, what is that? What do you do? You just stop? No. You keep talking. You keep going. You move on to the next one. You keep living it. Young people, young, young people, hear me today that, the, that you are a walking example of this book. You are, you are this book being shown to people. They might not know any of the words of this book, but when they see you, they see a reflection of Jesus Christ. They're looking at this book and they're reading this book through your lives. Just because they're not listening now doesn't mean that you stop. You keep going. You keep going. You keep living it. You keep holiness. You keep righteousness. You keep purity. You keep loving God and prayer and listening to, to your pastor and, and reading this word. Keep it up and eventually something will change. So he goes through this time, and again, I'm still setting up context, so that's, that's helpful this morning. <laughs> now he goes through all of this time, and he says to him, talk to them, but they're not going to listen to you because they don't listen to me. So God tells Ezekiel to do some things that on the surface might seem a little bit strange. I'm, first of all, I'm glad to be a part of a church that kind of things are a little bit strange sometimes, right? Like, I think... As an apostolic church, I think it's important for us that every service, that there, there can be one of those what meaneth this moments. Where somebody that's maybe not accustomed to all of this, and you, maybe you're new to this, and you're kind of looking around, and you're saying, what does this mean? I'm glad you asked that question, because we don't, I, when I was in Dallas, Texas, uh, a couple of years back, I was driving down the interstate, and I saw this billboard that had this person with their arms wide up in the air and their face up, and they look really pained and anguished. I don't know why when we worship, we look like we're in pain, but that's not the point. They look really anguished, and it was this billboard advertising for a church, and it says, can't be explained, must be experienced. And that really bugged me because to, to me, it's like everything that you experience, you can explain within this book. Everything, you, it might not, we might not understand the fullness of it. I don't understand the depth of it, but I can explain that this is where you find it. And so when you look around, I think it's so cool that every service that, that we can have an opportunity to have one of those, what does this mean moments? What does it mean when they're crying? What does it mean when they're leaping or they're jumping or they're dancing? What does it mean when their hands are in the air? What does it mean when they're speaking in tongues? I'll tell you what it means. It means that somebody is connecting and interacting with Almighty God, and you can have the same thing too. So God tells Ezekiel to do some things that might seem a little bit strange. I'm going to go through a couple of these things here this morning. He tells Ezekiel to do all of these things with the knowledge that nobody's going to listen to him. He tells Ezekiel to preach to the people, warning them against their wandering and their sinful ways, warning them about their destruction and their doom. And Ezekiel behaves in ways that we would think are strange and honestly probably a little bit unstable. 
He goes into the streets and he is acting out in the streets the siege and the destruction of Jerusalem, warning to the people, yet nobody listens. He lays bound and on his side, like bound, tied up and on his side for over a year. Now hear me, this isn't just me preaching this morning. This is like, read this book and you'll find this out. For over a year, he lays tied up on his side, eating food that was cooked over dung. Which signified the, to the people the condition that they were coming into because of their sin. Yet nobody listened. He was told to shave his head and to scatter his hair and to burn some of his hair or to tie up some of his hair as a metaphor of Israel's condition. Yet nobody listened. And these sorts of interactions and visions and rejections went on for 33 chapters in the book of Ezekiel. And this is the man that we find in Ezekiel chapter 37 who's been doing everything he knows to do, as outlandish as it may seem, to no effect. And and it's no wonder, son of man, can these bones live? It's no wonder he responds by saying, God, you know, I've been doing all this stuff all this time, and I haven't seen anything as a result of it. Now, that's not the condition of you here today. That's not the condition of this church. But I will say this, is that in our world that we're living in today, that is the condition of our, our world is getting worse and worse. And the church is striving to do everything we can do to stay pure to the word of God and in relationship with him, but also to be a light to this world. And we look around and we say, the harder that we try, sometimes things seem to get worse and worse. Anybody ever had that experience? The harder I try, young people, you ever have that experience? The more when I begin to commit myself to living for God more, when I dedicate myself to living for him and I do more for him, all of a sudden it seems like things get worse and worse. And so it's no wonder, like after a youth revival, you might, there might be this encouragement that says, okay, go do it. And you're like, but, but I don't know because I tried it before. I've been trying to do this. I've been working all of this. And and for years I've been trying, but it seems like nobody's listening. But all of that is about to change in Ezekiel's life. And I feel like for the church, all of that is about to change. I feel, listen, hear me, hear me this morning. I feel, Brother Cox, I feel like we're on a, re- on, on a track for a revival and a harvest that, that you can't even contain. That this, like, this beautiful building is, is wonderful. I'm so impressed with it. But this is not going to be able to contain the revival and the harvest that would, of what God's wanting to do. Like this is about to be your youth sanctuary. This is about to be where the young people get together and need a little bit more room. This is about, listen, this, this, is just, this is just the beginning. And you say, we've been trying for years and years and years. And God says, that's exactly who I need is people that try and try because I'm about to take you into a valley that you think is dead, but I'm going to bring it back to life. And it's going to happen through your works. And why is all of that about to change? Well, it changed in the book of Ezekiel because now at the 37th chapter, Ezekiel isn't just addressing things physically. He's not addressing, addressing the natural things. 
He's not trying to win over somebody's mind through an argument. That never works, really, by the way. Debating people, that never works. Apostle Paul did that in Athens. He tried that in Thessalonica, and he, he went to them with some great words. He had great wisdom, and he had all, like young people, sometimes we think that, that you, have to, you, think you don't have to know all this book and everything that's in it to, to win somebody over. And it's like, that's not, as, as much as that is good, that we need to know the word of God and hide the truths in our heart, absolutely do that. But at the end of Paul's speeches, they said, all those wise and intelligent people said, good speech, let's just move on to the next one. That's why in Thessalonians, he says, I came to you with not just with words, but with demonstration in power. The reason why Ezekiel's book is about to change is because it's not just addressing the physical. He's saying, I'm taking you somewhere on a journey in the spiritual. I'm taking you beyond just the physical things. Everyone's attention is on the physical, but the church of the living God says we go deeper than just the physical. We go deeper than just words. It's not just in words. The kingdom of God is not just in what you say, but it's in power. And young people and elders and everyone alike here me today that the Bible tells you and I that you shall have power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That this is not the season to try and win over intellectual arguments. This is the season for the church. Now is the time for the church to step up in authority and power and demonstration, not from our own strength, but because God says you've been faithful. I've trusted you and I'm ready to give you the power and authority to see this kingdom through. So God brings him to the root cause, which is the heart of the, mash, the matter, the main issue. The physical effort couldn't make the impact. But when the spiritual condition is addressed, now things can start to happen. And so now I'm going to start preaching. <laughs> and in closing, no. <laughs> Let me tell you, let me just say this, and I, I'm going to start wrapping up here in a little bit. I do promise. <laughs> you may have been dealing with some things in the physical. You're not just your body, but your surroundings. You may have been dealing with some things mentally of what people are saying, dealing with oppression or depression or anxiety. You may have been dealing with so many of those things because of the change of our world, our climate that we're in right now. You may be dealing with fear, not knowing what to do. You might be dealing with rejection. You might be struggling or wrestling with something right now. Don't stop wrestling. Like, keep wrestling. Keep wrestling. God named a whole nation of people after a man named Israel, which means one who has contended with God and won, like, and prevailed. God wants to wrestle with you. Somebody hear that? God wants to wrestle with you. I, as a dad, and I got five kids, five and counting. No, just five, just five. That's it, just five kids. I got five kids. I love to wrestle with my kids. I love to, I love to test them out a little bit. I love to see what irritates them and bothers them. I love to see what triggers them so that I can help them get better. God wants to wrestle with you to help you get better. 
I, I believe, this is way off, but I believe that that's one of the reasons why God took, uh, when, he, when Jacob was wrestling with the angel of the Lord, why he took his hip out of place, because Jacob was a runner. He liked to run. He liked to get into trouble and run away. He's like, I'm taking out all your excuses. We're going to settle this issue right here, right now. God wants to wrestle with you. He wants to deal with some things, and you might be surrounded with some things that you're dealing with and that you're struggling with, but the reality is that there is a spiritual reality at the core of every existence of everything that we struggle with. Scripture says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And if you've been wrestling with the physical or mental aspects of your humanity in this world that we're in, can I suggest to you today that you take a step back and let God give you the words to address the spirit of what needs to be addressed. We fight with some stuff so many times in our silly human ways. And all the while, God's saying, but I want to take you out by the Spirit, and I want to give you the words to say that will cause life to come into your valley of dry bones. So in verse 1, the hand of the Lord was, came upon me and brought me, and the Spirit of the Lord set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones, and he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. Ezekiel was brought out by the Spirit of the Lord and was told to speak to the situation. Hear me today. Sometimes we have problems because we talk about our situation or we talk about the issues that we're seeing, but God tells Ezekiel to speak directly to the situation. You have a mountain in your life and an impossible thing that looming that you're facing. The Lord, the word doesn't tell us to talk about it, to go on Facebook and type about it or to talk with one another about the issue and to complain about or even pray about the issue. All those things, like, well, not all those things are fine, but that's fine to pray about it. But Jesus gives us the word. He says, when you see the mountain, speak to the mountain and say, get out of my way. Get, be removed and go into the sea. When you see this valley of dry bones, don't just talk about the valley of things that are dead. He says, go ahead and talk to the things that are dead and say, I'm not settling for you to be dead. I'm not settling for this story to be over. I want life to be born back again in this situation. I'm going to share just a little bit of a testimony with you here and then uh, bring this to a close here this morning. So if our musicians would kindly come. When I was four years old, my parents divorced and my father moved down to Georgia and left the church. So I was raised, my brother and I, I have an older brother who's a year older than I am. We were raised by my mom, a single mom, and she did, she did a great job with him, you know, she did, as well as she could with me, I was just a handful. Um, but I struggled as a young person because my father had left the church. And when I was, when I was about 12 years old, the Lord gave me a vision, like a vision in a dream, and like I could see my dad coming back to church. And it seemed so impossible because he was so far away. Seems so impossible because his lifestyle had been so far removed from that. I don't know if I'm talking to any young people here or anybody here that's maybe seeing these same situations coming around in your lives, whether it's your mom, your dad, a brother or a sister, maybe a friend, maybe somebody that should be sitting here right now, okay? And you say, but they're so angry. You say, but they don't want anything to do with God. 
You say, but they, 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 they know the truth and they've walked away and I'm not going to see them. I, I, I don't see any way of how they want to come back. I, I look on their profile and I see all the mess that they're getting into. I hear the stories about all the things that they're getting involved in. I see with my own eyes and own experience the stuff that they're getting themselves in and they don't want anything to do with God. And it seems like that situation is dead. Or maybe beyond that, for the rest of us here today, for all of us, maybe there's a situation, maybe there's a marriage. You say, that's not, it's not, things aren't working out and it's not going to work out. And I, I don't know how it seems like it's dead and gone. Or maybe I'm, I, I haven't talked to your pastor. I don't know anything that's going on. I don't know anything about any of you. Maybe there's a job situation where it seems like it's so toxic and negative that you don't see any way out of it. Maybe there's a financial situation where you, you feel like you're so consumed with debt and there's no way out. I don't know if I'm talking to anybody here today, but you find yourself in valleys of dead, dry places. Maybe it's your school where you go and I've tried to live for God in my school, but I don't see anything coming as a result of it. Maybe it's in your job and you tried to reach out to people in your job and you say, I don't see anybody turning themselves and their lives around as a result. I, I don't see anything happening on the surface level. And God's saying, you've been faithful for all these chapters of your life. You've been faithful for all these years. And he's saying, I'm taking you beyond a surface level today. And I'm bringing you down to a spiritual level today. I'm bringing you deeper into a valley where I can really show you what's going on. And you can finally speak to the issues that are taking place. And you, with your voice, Scripture tells us that life and death is in the power of the tongue. That with your voice and the authority that God has given you, you can speak life into situations that you think are dead and that they're gone and that they'll never come back again and that they said they'd never come back to church and they said that they were never going to live for him again and they turned their life on God. You said, I can speak life into that. I don't care what the devil says. I don't care what the enemy has done. I don't care what he has planned or in store because my God has the final word. And in that battle, there's a river of life that flows into that valley. We got to understand today that it's not your pastor who's going to do this. Your pastor can lead you there. He can, be, he can be there with you. He can guide you through it. He can help you through the heartache or the trials or the difficulty. He can answer the phone at two in the morning Maybe, I don't know, but he, he can be there with you. He can be there by your side. Other leadership and ministry within the church, they can be there with you. But you have to understand, saints and young people, every one of us, you're filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God lives inside of you. It's not just for a select few that stand on a platform, but he's given you the power to speak life into dead things. So we find in John chapter 7, and I am closing, in John chapter 7 it says this, in the last day, if we can all stand together, in the last day, everyone say last day, this isn't a take from that, I'm not trying to pivot on this, but I do feel like, man, we are living in the last days. In the last day, that great day of the feast, 
this is days and days and days where the people have ate it up, they've drank it up, they've partied it up, they've done everything to satisfy the exterior in the physical. He says in the last days, that great day of the feast after they've been eating and, and drinking and partying, Jesus stood and cried saying, if anyone's still thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Why am I preaching about this here today? Because in this world that we have today, there is a world of people that have been trying everything. They've been drinking. They've been eating. They've been partying. They've been dealing with everything on the physical. And even as this culture continues to go on, they're still going to try to find the physical, but one by one by one, they're saying it doesn't satisfy. It's not good enough. That's not filling me up. It's never satisfying the need within me. I've got to find something more. Jesus says, if that's you, then you come to me and drink. He says this in verse 38, but he that believe on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly or out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. This he spoke of the Spirit of the Holy Ghost. So one more time, I want to direct your attention back to Ezekiel. I want to fast forward 10 more chapters to chapter number 47. This is where I'm closing for sure this time. Because in Ezekiel 47, Ezekiel is taken again in a vision. He's taken again in the Spirit See, he's dealt with all this stuff, on this junk on the surface level, but God's saying, now I can take you to a deeper level in the spirit. So he takes him in the spirit to the temple, and there's a river that's as a stream that's about foot or ankle deep that's flowing out from the temple, and he says, well, go on a little bit farther, and he goes on a little bit farther, and it's brought up to his knees, and he says, well, go on a little bit farther, and that, that river's going deeper, and it's brought up to his waist, and he says, go on a little bit farther, and he gets to the point where you can't even pass over this river anymore because it's overflown so much. When Jesus is speaking in John 7 about the rivers of living water, he's reaching all the way back to Ezekiel that says that there's rivers of living water that are flowing into dead, dry places, and that's where they will bring the life. So he says, verse number 6, I just have a few verses here. He said unto me, Son of man, have you seen this? And he brought me and caused me to return to the brink of the river. When I returned, behold, at the bank of the river, there were many trees on one side and the other. Then he said to me, these waters issue toward the east country and go down into the desert and into the sea. And when we're talking about sea, they're talking about the Dead Sea, where there's nothing that lives. It's that valley of dry bones where there's nothing that's alive. And he's saying this water is going into the desert and into the place where there's nothing. It's impossible for anything to live. And it says that the waters shall be healed. And it shall come to pass that everything that lives, which moves whithersoever the rivers shall come, shall live. And there shall be a very great multitude of fish. We're called to be fishers of men. There'll be a great multitude of fish because these waters shall come thither, for they shall be healed. And everything shall live within where, where the river flows. Out of you flows rivers of living water. That God is not calling you just to operate on the physical young people. 
and elders and everyone alike. He's calling us here in these final days, in these last hours, to be a river that goes into the valleys of this world to bring life and to extend life into the places that are dead and dry where nothing is alive. And he's given you a promise. He says, when you go and flow into those places, everything where you go will be brought to life. The operative word here today is this. It's the word go. It's the word go. I gotta go. I have to go into the valley. I have to go into the dry places. I have to begin to speak to those things. As we would say it, we, we say a long time ago, I speak to the things that are not as though they were. Come on, that's where we find this book. You talk to the things that are not as you already believe within your mind that they're all, it's already happening. It's already, we sing about it here already this morning that we worship and we praise although the victory has begun and it has happened. And I just want to talk to somebody here today. Are you willing to come? Are you willing to come out of familiarity? willing to come out of your place and begin to speak to those places. Amen. Right now at this time, I'm wondering if it's permissible, if we can gather around this altar to pray, or if you want to pray right where you're at, that's certainly fine. But if we could just, if this altar's open, and I want to, I just want us to come up, and I'm going to talk to us about what we can pray in just a second here. So if you'd like to come up and to pray here this morning, while it is yet morning, I invite you to come up, and we're going to we're going to focus and pray on something together. And if you want to be right where you're at, that's fine. You can pray right where you're at. But I would encourage you, take a step out here today. Here's what we're going to do. Every eye closed. You don't have to bow your head if you don't want to, but every eye closed. I just want us to begin to focus for just a moment here this morning. I want us to begin to focus on your valley. Remember I said in, in Hebrews chapter 12 and 2 that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's not done writing the story. But I want you to focus on the valley, the places of the things that are dead, the things that you think have no life, they can't come to life. There's no hope. Maybe they've even told you there's no hope. Maybe they've even said there's no chance. Maybe they said that there's no possible way. I'm here today to tell you, not on my own authority, but standing on the authority of the Word of God, that God has the final word. And He's placing, hear me now, hear me now today, that He's placing those words, however, in your mouth and giving you the ability to speak. He's giving you the power to speak. He's giving you the authority to speak. Now, I don't take this lightly, and I don't just want to say, so just begin to say whatever you want to say. But I want us to take just a moment. I want us to take just one moment and begin to pray as you're focusing on your valley and the issues that you're seeing in your life. I want you to take your one moment and say, God, help me to see it how you see it. 
Lord, help me to see this situation how you see it right now. You see somebody that's lost. Listen, we had somebody uh, the, the other day that was in our parking lot playing basketball that didn't belong to the church or anything like that. And there was something that just kind of got irritated because it's like we're trying to have church and you're trying to play basketball. And God said, why don't you just imagine him coming out of the waters, speaking in other tongues. Then that'll change your whole perspective. Come on. He can take something that's that's got you down and that you are hopeless in. That's exactly where God is showing up today. And he's saying, that's where I want to speak to you. So why don't we just take one moment right now and we're going to pray some more after that. But take a moment and say, God, help me to see it how you see it. Can we just pray all together all across this place, all across this, this altar here this morning. Come on, young people, young men, young ladies, help me to see this, God. Help me to see it how you see it. It seems like a hopeless situation. It seems like there's no possible way for anything to come about of it, Lord. It seems like I've got no chance in all of this, but God, open my eyes and help me to see it like you see it. I feel like I'm surrounded on all sides, but help me to know that there's more that are with us than those that are against us. Open our eyes today, God, and help our understanding to know that there's more to the story than what we can see on the surface, but there's a spirit work that you want to do in these lives today, oh God. There's things, Lord, that are oppressing people that need to be cast out. There's things, there's chains that are binding people that need to be broken. Oh God, help us to see it how you see it. Come on, it's God showing you today. Is he showing you? Can you begin to have a little bit of faith? Can you begin to see it beyond what it is? Can you begin to see it beyond what it is right now? Let's just talk to him here today. That's good. Yeah, keep going. Come on. He's not done. He's still writing it. Can you begin to pray? Can you begin to believe within your heart? Can you begin to pray and cry and claim the promise of God here today? Come on. That's good. Let's keep going. Oh, yes. Lift it up right now. There's a story, God, that you're writing right now. Come on. Come on, begin to believe. Let that river flow. Let it flow into the valley in Jesus' name. What you are doing here in the woods and where the
some of our adults would help us pray with some of our teenagers today. We've got others that are seeking the Lord up here. We could just help one another a little bit today. for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week.